Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Shit You Wish Your Building Did. This is the podcast where technology experts tell you how to make your building smarter. Today, we are speaking to Rob Murchison, co-founder of Intelligent Buildings, a US-based real estate advisory firm. We need to talk about cybersecurity insurance for commercial buildings. Why? Because a growing number of insurers are excluding cyber events from their policies and many building owners could be self-insuring but don't even know it. So stick around for this important conversation with Rob. If you're serious about making your commercial building smarter, then you are in the right place. Every episode, we talk to an expert in their field and discuss practical business advice on how to implement technology in your buildings. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the channel and like the episode. You'll be notified when we publish new content. So let's go. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. You are very welcome. And uh, yeah, let's kick it off and tell us a bit more about Intelligent Buildings. Well, I'm a principal and a co-founder of Intelligent Buildings. And what, what, what Intelligent Buildings does at, at its core uh, is we increase the availability uh, of, of, of building systems within the built environment through a comprehensive set of managed services that we offer at, anywhere in the globe. Um, we also, and in, in our heritage is also that we are a Sherpa, if you will, for those uh, occupiers and landlords who are wanting to go down the journey, which most people are these days, of how do I take my built environment and make it smart in a purposeful way? So we've been doing this for the uh, the the better part of the last uh, two decades all over the globe. I like that Sherpa. I remember that one. Good stuff. Um, so I asked you today, I wanted to, us to have a kind of in-depth conversation on cybersecurity. So just to kick things off, how would you describe the current state of cybersecurity as it relates to uh, building technology? Well, I mean, it, a lot of cases just non-existent, I hate to say. Um, but I think important to put that in a little bit of, of context, if you will, it's, a, uh, it's good to sort of look back in time. And uh, as, as, you look, as you look back in time, say in the late 80s, um, when, when I was graduating, graduating from uh, high school, and I'm not, I, were you born yet, Jim? Were, I was. Yeah, because uh, it, it's been a, quite a transformational, quite a transformational time. Um, in the late 80s, the, 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 this, this digitization of the, of the built environment was just beginning. And it was done because automation could happen. And at, at a local level, the, the cloud wasn't around. We didn't have the internet, uh, but, but the, we, we could do automation and uh, enhance the, 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 the environment itself around specifically around the HVAC, the, 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 how we control, control that piece of, uh, of the, the, the hot and the cold and the, and the flow of air, that piece could be automated because we went from running pneumatics, which most folks don't really experience unless you've sort of hit that hiss on the thermostat um, to, to now to a digital environment. And that wave of DDC that took, 
took place in buildings went on well over still going on the day well over a decade and it was in in the late 1990s 1999 actually that the first java based controller called a jace was introduced into into the world the world of the built environment all of this was happening with security not even on the radar it was just about automation and how could could we improve the performance uh, of the built environment, specifically, say, around the, the temperature, managing the air molecules. Um, so that happened, and there was there was no plan, and more and more uh, digitization took place. We then started to see uh, uh, lighting systems and this thing called DALI, which is the lighting light, lighting systems go go into the marketplace. And then, then and starting around 2010, we start to see this evolution of all sorts of digital things. And to the point now that whether it's an access control or video surveillance or rainwater harvesting or, or, or the clocks on the wall, um, everything's digital. Everything is digital, but it was all done in an unplanned way for a different purpose. Um, and then I would say it started around the originally with the target uh, hack, which wasn't directly to a building control system, but used it through an HVAC vendor. And then a Colonial Pipeline, where oil flow stopped here in the United in the United States. It got onto the radar of of the tr traditional enterprise IT folks, and they had a voice at the table and said, holy cow, all this digitization has taken place in our built environment, and there was never really a plan. How in the heck do we go put a plan around this? And then to complicate things in the past couple of years, uh, the cyber uh, crimes, uh, uh, particularly around ransomware, have dramatically increased. And then we had the the addition the uh, the the Ukrainian war earlier this year, which created even more attacks that took place. Um, and and we're, we're 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 now to a point of a realization that digitization in the built environment is is full steam ahead. It's not turning around. But we have this legacy cycle uh, of of technology refresh that is literally, in some cases, decades behind where we are on traditional enterprise IT. And we call those technologies operational technologies versus information technologies. And we can get a bit into more of this. But the bottom line is that that a operational technology is something that impacts the physical environment. So it needs to and for for, for buildings there. Are, bigger category called industrial control systems, but for buildings, it impacts the environment. And be, because of that, if they aren't available, things you either get in a bad experience or, or, or worse, you can't have good air quality or the lights turn off or the elevator gets stuck. And so availability is a lot more important than the traditional world where confidentiality data breaches are. So I would I, I would say that we, we, we're, we're on a journey that's been accelerated. Um, but it, the the root cause is that it was it wasn't planned to, to go out this way, uh, to grow up this way, and now we have digitization all over the place, and we have fragmented um, uh, parties working on it. We have fragmented systems. We have fragmented decision making. It, it, it's 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 it's. I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but it, it, it's it's quite it's quite a mess, mm -hmm. um, and um, it, it's going to take some time to 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 get it turn get it turned around but it needs to be done for a purpose 
And I think coming out of the pandemic, we we are seeing that there needs to be a purpose uh, around digitization in the built environment, and that's specifically around uh, ESG and experience. So long, long, long answer there, but no, just I think that's take you through the journey. Fantastic summary. I'm covering thirty years in uh, two minutes. Great stuff, and I mean, I completely I couldn't agree more with what you said. And I would add to that as well. Like I think a lot of what's happening uh, in terms of ransomware attacks and cybersecurity isn't also reported. So I think in, in probably like the situation is worse than people actually realise because we're not seeing the full impact. People, you know, and we wrote an article about this as part of the research that we've done recently. You know, obviously for reputational purposes, people don't want to promote the fact that, that there has been a cyber a cyber issue or a ransomware attack, for example. Uh, one really interesting thing, um, something you said to me, which I think is fascinating, uh, and uh, I'll read it back to you now. Most of the industry is probably self-insuring and does not know it, while at the same time doing very little to mitigate the actual risks. I think that's a, a great statement. Uh, And really in two parts, right? Some of which we kind of covered with, and we'll go into in a minute with like mitigation. Um, But uh, describe to me, like what's going on with insurance at the moment? Well, it's a, it's a double whammy, if you will. Uh, Forget this, uh, this operational technology IT thing I was talking about a second ago, cyber in general, uh, cyber, the, the calls for cyber insurance. Um, really due to to people and uh, and how they react to phishing attacks um it ha- has skyrocketed it, it's just extremely expensive and then when you go and look at our world the built environment commercial real estate uh that 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 world um to your point goes unreported 95 percent of the time because of the brand risk associated with saying I my building was attacked. Um, all that is happening and insurance rates, mainly because of cyber and some natural disasters as well, are going up. And if you have a a, a quarter of 250 million euro asset um, and you need to and you you got to insure it in some way, if your insurance is doubling in cost, um, it, it, it really affects your performa. And so, what what is happening is is these because when you when you get insurance, you don't get a ten year insurance contract because the landscape changes. So insurance is renewing, say on an annual basis. And as these renewals come across and the prices are changing, uh, the insurance companies are realizing the carriers. Are, are realizing that that there is a risk that they're insuring against that they don't understand. They don't know. And so what happens is to to the uh, the, the insured um, is there the riders are getting uh, inserted into the the these these new in, in insurance contracts and they're not insured anymore because the carriers it's not it's not because they're trying to do something in a malice way. They're just saying, I don't understand the risk. Therefore, I'm going to not ensure that. So back to that statement that, that you read, 
the owners, the landlords of, of, of buildings in a lot of cases are not, not just because of education are or lack of awareness, if you will, are not self are not ensuring um, the, the HVAC, the lighting, the elevator and all these control systems because it's being excluded mm-hmm. for the okay. reasons I just described. And um, what are you advising your clients to do, the building owners and operators about about this? Uh, figure out what you got. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I can't, I can't say it any simpler is that, that listen, listen, the, 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 the first step in, in solving this problem is to understand it. And in order to understand it, uh, you gotta under, you gotta have an inventory, if you will, of what lies in your built environment and, and the, the digital, the digital, uh, footprint of that, which also then allows you to, under, to understand what your tax surface, t- a techie term, your tax surface looks like, so you can get your get your arms around it. So, mm-hmm. number one thing, and we worked with many clients on this, some ten thousand buildings in some cases, um, figure out how to go get a accurate inventory of your existing mm-hmm. uh, uh, building systems. The the good news, Jim, is that. Uh, AI and, and artificial intelligence, those types of technologies have evolved mm-hmm. and it can help automate a lot of that inventory. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent manual process. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, specifically about insurance. So if you have a client, like they've gone and looked at their insurance, they're saying, actually, we're not covered for this. What can they do about that? Can they go back to the insurer and say, do you have a separate policy for this? Are they, or do they have to go to someone else to, to get that? that cover how, how there, you... there, there are a couple of tiers there, there there are there are companies that that, that just offer cyber okay. insurance okay and then there are companies underneath those companies if you will and sort of the layers that that focus on the 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 building system side of things mm-hmm. but if you're going to go down that path um which you should because you you need some type of, of insurance they are going to ask sooner rather than later what am i insuring and of course and if you don't know then they're not going to touch you yeah but it makes logical sense and so i think there's a growing number of of landlords that are realizing that and therefore they're 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 looking for cost-effective ways to not only know what i have right now but also what do i do because you can never prevent let's to be clear there's no magic answer to preventing a cyber event. If someone wants to break in, they're going to break in. Mm-hmm. Bad guy, we'll figure it out. But if that happens, you need to have a, a quick path to recovery. And so simple things like making sure your systems are are, are backed up or making sure your, your, your software, the firmware on these devices is, is, is current. Or is there an overall policy that that your your vendors, the different fragmented vendors that work on your buildings, is there a policy that they're following? Doing some simple things like that um, can can not mitigate, which can completely get rid of, but can do some compensating controls so that you have that you minimize your risk exposure. No, absolutely. Therefore, That's insurance. Fantastic advice there. Uh, and we were talking about mitigation and you're saying, you know, know what you have on your network. And I, and again, something that came up in our research and that you've talked a lot about is network scanning. Yep. Um, and you've talked as well about this difference between passive and active scanning of networks. Could you 
Can you describe that for us and what you're advising your clients on that? Well, sure. We're getting a little. Te- we're getting a little. Technical we are getting here. a bit technical. <laughs> yes, which I. But it's important. It's important. So, one of the misunderstandings uh, of, and, and quite frankly, a frustration point between uh, traditional enterprise IT, I call all digital mind, mindset, and and uh, the facilities or the operational technologies that stuff impacts a physical physical environment, is that. Everything uh, should be IP everywhere. So you and you and I are, are we're thousands of miles apart, talking over talking over the internet, flowing lots of bits of data. But the amount of data that we're flowing is is a is probably order of magnitude higher than what an HVAC system needs to operate in its a building, because they're just a few data points versus video and sound and all that stuff. But the mindset is from a from a traditional IT folks that well wow, I can do this you mentioned this active and passive I can just do this active thing and I'll go scan the entire building system network for uh to go get that inventory if you will and I'll do some analysis I'll do some quick analysis of it like I do for my PCs and my printers and my wireless access points and there's this thing called SNMP simple network management protocol and that'll fix it we can point to dozens of situations where that active scan took place on building systems that, by the way, we talked about have been evolving from digital since 19, late 1980, say 1989, that in some cases still exist in the building because of the life cycle of these things. Um, and when they do that, the system breaks. And it happens over and over again. And we have customers that unfortunately happened in a new construction building just to open up and they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars repairing the building systems because they did this active scan on building systems devices that just can't take that much data. So in order to go get that inventory and to go do that at scale, you can't go out there and query because that's what kills things. You have to just listen. And that's what a passive scan is. A passive scan is just listening to that existing uh, network traffic and then um, using AI that I talked about earlier to go look at the 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 the, the signatures of the data, the, the passive, and build and continue to build a, a library so you can go recognize based on just how the device is talking, what type of device that is. And that is how you go get inventories without breaking your building systems. Mm-hmm. It's okay. really important. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's great. And I, and actually, it's not something I think that gets talked about that much. So I think it's really, uh, really something that, that people can take away from this conversation. And at least if, you know, if it comes up with your team, like in the future, you know, like that's something to consider. Yeah. And something in the research that we've done Anything interesting, and we're talking bit, you know, a, a lot about mitigation of this risk. We know we can't completely um, stop cyber attacks; it's not possible. These things happen. It's about mitigating the risk. But what I see, I think, sometimes is well that there is um, really isn't a willingness, right, to kind of take this subject on, like really tackle it as an industry. And I think, I think, one is one of two things: one, people don't really understand it um, and therefore are a little bit afraid of it. So what I think I'm saying is here is it's not just, it's really not a technical problem or just a technical problem. It's also a people problem, right? For sure. 
for sure. What can we do to to kind of uh, move this forward, at least to get people, you know, talking more about about cybersecurity and at least doing being more proactive instead of reactive? Well, there there's carrots and there's sticks. <laughs> I mean, I hate to break it down to to those two simple worlds, and and and, and uh, the I would say the the smart building movement in general has generally been a, 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 a carrot led for a long time i just something i should do but it had some optionality to it because of the current global economic um environment um there there there's double uh three i i would say uh, uh uh market forces that that are um accelerating um the need to go deal with the cybersecurity problem the first one we talked about insurance my insurance rates are going up and i'm just making up numbers my insurance rates going up by a thousand going up by a thousand euros um uh, but i can pay a hundred euros and get it to only go by 500 euros so that 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 situation um which is playing playing out i'm more and more saying okay it's a simple roi equation but that's just to mitigate this digital fragmentation mess, I'll call it, that's happened over the past 30 years. The two other forces that are really driving this, and they're somewhat combined, is that A, um, I have to hit ESG goals. ESG is regulated in in much much of Europe and the UK now. It's coming to the United States. Um, It's happening in Australia. Um, So so in order to meet my... uh, goals which are regulatorily driven i need to get data out of this asset if i'm gonna get data out of this asset i gotta make sure that it's not gonna negatively impact my operations so that's the second one so we have insurance and we have we have esg the third one is built on those those other two and that is the great reoccupation of 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 the of the office or or going back to retail or hospitality vacancy uh, room per rooms going up whatever whatever that is is we got to offer a better experience to the folks that are within that built environment and that requires a heck of a lot of data um, interaction um, in the office world, I, we're calling that experiential leasing and the need to have destination worthiness for the physical office itself. Um, but but because of that data need, and when you combine that with part of the experience is ESG and risk mitigation, they all are sort of coming together to drive a more holistic view of, I got to get data out of my building but at the same time, I need to make it. Uh, I, I need to reduce the risk, and I'll I'll close that by saying, the 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 trend, and we're seeing this happen more and more, is that the occupant who is renewing their lease, who is likely shrinking their footprint while wanting to create destination worthy space, is asking for access to that base building system. And by them asking for access to that base building system that we already said, I'm not even sure what's already in there, is creating a really interesting conversation that drives us back to, okay, let me understand what I got. 
I know I can't get rid of all the risks, but at least let's make sure my systems are backed up. I'm keeping my firmware, I'm keeping my firmware uh, uh, current, and I'm making sure there's policy that the that my vendors are complying so they don't introduce even more risk into my environment. Yeah, <clears throat> some fantastic points there, and it's really interesting to see these different dynamics at play. You you covered a lot a lot of topics there that, that all play into this um, this ecosystem, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's part of the problem. Is we're we're looking for a, a, a hammer to to drill down the nail mm. when when we need a dozen different tools and a lot of different understanding, and and I I I, I don't want to get political because different folks have different views here, but I mean. It's pretty much scientifically proven that 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 we got to reduce our, our carbon emissions. I think Bill Gates says we're 51 billion tons of carbon that are getting emitted every year. If we don't take technology and apply it to what we're trying to get done, we're not going to get there. And by applying technology, that means we have to we we have opportunity, but we're introducing risk, and we've got to mitigate the, the those. Uh, Risk. In fact, I saw a a visual this morning. I can uh, share with you, and it talks about the the the, the impacts of uh, of different areas of of our sectors of our economy, built environments, energy, and so forth. And um, this particular graphic said that the the built environment gets like is responsible for over twenty percent of the carbon emissions. Yet the 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 back to this digital divide of folks not understanding the problem over 40% of VC investments goes to mobile mobility apps and hardly anything is going to the built environment at scale right now because they can't find the right decision maker and they aren't solving the right problems. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. I mean, we're coming to the end of the conversation now. Is there one thing that out of all those things that we've discussed, is there one thing you want people to take away from, from this discussion? Well, that's a, it's a tough one. Cause it's such a, a multifaceted fragmented problem. And I, I think maybe it's two things. One, one is this is a, uh, I, I like to play on these words. This is a complex problem, not a complicated one. And by that, I mean, is that a, a, a Tesla is a very complicated car or system, but the the inputs usually almost always produce the same outputs. In a complex world, the world that we live in, because it's there's people in our built environments, in a complex world, there's a lot of unknowns, and so the so so that means that the inputs don't always get you the same outputs, and the the common denominator is this thing called people. <laughs> so the the first thing that you, that you need to be aware of is that the 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 technology is there to to the innovation, if you will, is there there to overcome this problem, but 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 getting your people. Uh, up to speed um, is important. The second piece, and probably to, to, if there is a simplification of it, this is it, 
is that there are uh, organizations. Um, we're 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 one of them. There are internal groups and other organizations as well that have uh, looked at the problem around around this the, the keeping the systems available um, inside the built environment and also recovering ways to recover uh, creating ways to quickly recover them. That, if you will, can offer a comprehensive set of managed services um, that have a degree of automation to them that you can apply. Um, to across your built environments. And this is back to the techie thing. It doesn't require that you have to re-IP address anything in your building um, because of the advances in technology. So two things, this is a complex issue and people are at the core of it, but that, 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 that's the scary part. The good news is that you can do something starting tomorrow or today by looking internal to your organization and say, I need a set of managed services, or if your organization isn't quite as big, you can turn to firms like ours to provide that managed service. Awesome. That's a great summary. Thank you. And on that last point, um, if they want more information about uh, intelligent buildings, what's the best way to, to reach out to you guys? Well, we're pretty, pretty easy. It's long, but it's, it's our name. So it's intelligent building, <laughs> intelligent buildings, uh, dot com of just sort of a funny story story about that when we first started started out the organization uh intelligent buildings didn't that industry didn't exist and we paid a whopping five thousand dollars to go get that domain name at the time it's now the name of an industry yeah money well spent in there uh, hopefully that's a money well spent absolutely good stuff rob thank you so much for today i really really appreciate your time and i thought it was a very uh very interesting conversation. Thanks again. Thank you for the opportunity, Jim. Bye-bye. Have a great day.